Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to another episode of Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, co-founder and CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we're going to be talking about the routine doctor's visit, and I probably should have bolded the word the routine doctor's visit because honestly, if you ask me, this is the most important doctor's visit, which is the annual exam. We're going to be kind of piggybacking off our last uh, couple episodes where we talked about high blood pressure and high cholesterol, which kind of leads into the reason why we need to discuss it because during this visit, like we're going to ask all of the questions and important things needed to be done during this exam, right? So we're going to talk about, again, kind of the origin, the why of the annual physical exam. More importantly, talk about certain tests that may get done during this uh, physical exam and why if you only see your doctor once a year, this is the exam to have. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. All right, welcome to another episode of Medicine Mondays. I'm your truly Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, host of Medicine Mondays, as well as Real Physician Reacts. Thank you for joining this week's episode. We are going to be talking about the routine doctor visit. As we get towards the end of the year, and we're already starting to make holiday plans for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I know a lot of us may have kind of brushed by, I think, one of the most important doctor visits you should make at least once a year. Now, again, it's kind of adequately named the annual visit, but because of the pandemic, because of telemedicine, everything that's been happening over the past couple of years, like we already know that a lot of people have not been going or not been keeping up with their routine visits. And with that, what's happened is now you're having to kind of backtrack. Now you're, you're missing specific labs you usually get, specific testing you should be getting. So I want to make sure we kind of really highlight, again, what I think is the most important doctor visit everyone should make. And that's whether you're on one medication, two medications, or zero medications, whether you have no medical problems, which a lot of people always seem to have no medical problems. But when I talk to them, it usually is the case that they don't actually come to see us in the office or see us in a clinic or see us anywhere. So they don't really know which medical problems they have, or you got a slew of medical issues that you've been dealing with for years. So again, we are going to be talking about, I think, the routine doctor visit, which I think gets scoffed at, which gets looked at, but I think it's obviously the most important visit like to your health, right? Like, and we always talk about when it talks about mental uh, wealth, when we talk about spiritual health, uh, but obviously health, health is the most important thing, right? You got to be healthy to enjoy the other facets of your life. So as you know, especially if you've been following all the Lunch Learn community, I, for the past month or so, I've been talking about some routine diagnostic issues or routine diagnosis that we usually follow up with in terms of high blood pressure and high cholesterol. And the reason why I wanted to do those two episodes first is because it's usually two of the most important reasons why you end up seeing your doctor for your annual visit. 
the majority of outside of pain complaints, the majority of hospice visits usually center around whether some cardiovascular related issues that we know blood pressure is extremely important or the cholesterol related issues, which then attributes to all of the other downwind effects, right? So I wanted to make sure we had a nice little baseline. If you have not had a chance, make sure you check out those tap past two episodes. I will leave uh, the links in the description to make sure that when we talk about what we're going to be doing during our routine visits, like you'll know, because you want to understand like, why does Dr. Barry feel like the doctor's visit, more importantly, the annual visit is so important. And I think that's something that because of COVID, I think just honestly seeing a doctor has kind of gotten not the energy that it should, especially for your routine. Like, again, if you're watching this or listening to this, like, like, are you still up to date on all of your lab testing, on all of your imaging that you should? For a lot of people, that answer is no, right? We had the CDC report I mentioned uh, probably like a couple months ago of the amount of people who were provide who were behind a lot of their preventative healthcare screenings, including colonoscopies, including mammograms, and how just knowing that the number of people who were behind those screenings, how they can almost kind of estimate how many people were likely going to die prematurely from being behind, right? So again, it is an important aspect of care. And when I was out doing outpatient medicine, it was one of the visits I always stress because I used to tell my patients, especially I used to even take care of a lot of younger patients. And I would let them know like, hey, I know you're young, you're healthy, you're, you're full of life. You may not need to see me every three to four months and that's okay. But you need to make sure you circle your calendar whenever you plan on doing this around this day here to come see me because this is the visit that I make the quote unquote money, right? Like as a as a ambulatory provider, one of our biggest linchpins in making sure we take care of our patients is making sure we have the adequate baseline to do so. And everything typically happens this visit here. Sorry to break your concentration. I know you're probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget, check out our Lunch and Learn community store, shop.drbarrypierre.com. Remember to use the code EMPOWER10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. I can assure you that the, the biggest difference between the annual visit and your more routine visits is that one, you get a lot more time. Now again, a lot more could be relative. I used to do 40 minute appointments for my annual visits. I know some doctors do 30 minutes appointments. I know some doctors who do an hour long appointment for the annual visit you know, concierge, you know, excluding. So you definitely get much more time to talk about the issues of concerns. On the flip side, if you're a healthcare provider, you understand that during the annual visit, you're required to ask a lot more. You're required to deep deeper to your patient's really business, which is your business, and doing so, that's why you're one delve more time to that appointment until you do get paid more, right? There's again, there's a financial incentive either way, right? And we know that as a outpatient primary care provider, the annual visit actually pays more than a regular routine visit. And because it pays more, we give the patients more time and vice versa. For my patients, you have to understand that if you're having an annual visit, understand that this isn't going to be the typical get in, get out. Your doctor is going to ask you a, a slew of questions, really questions that they probably didn't ask you on any other visit, but just to make sure they get down to the nitty gritty. 
I always start with kind of the history aspect, right? Because when you're a patient and you're wondering like, hey, all right, what does this routine doctor's visit, right? The annual visit even entail? Big things first is we want to get an overall picture. First of all, how are you doing? How has the past year been? Like, how are you feeling not only from a just a medication standpoint, from a diagnosis standpoint, but just in general? Like we ask questions about uh, weight loss, weight gain. We ask questions about just mental health. Where are you depressed? Where are you depressed or not? Um, we start really getting into your business as far as your social history. I want to know, are you a cigarette smoker? If you are or any other smoker, right? Like I want to know if you drink some alcohol, how much alcohol do you drink? We, we dive deeper because we need to be able to make proper assessments for our patient moving forward. Because we have to look as a healthcare provider, we have to look at that appointment like, hey, I only get to see you once and I may not see you the rest of the year. And if I only get to see you once, I need to make sure I get all of my questions out until the next year I see you. Because nothing is more disheartening when you don't see a patient for four to six months and something happens in between the time that, man, I wish I could have caught that. So you'll see that the, the people who only usually have to see a doctor once a year, we typically reserve that to our extremely healthy, extremely young, no medications, no significant family history. All of those things, they're kind of covered under the sun. We make sure you're the healthiest of the healthiest if you're only seeing me once a year. But if you got any issues, right, and when I talk about what, what is the doctor doing, the doctor's asking more deep diving about your family history. They want to know how mom's doing, how dad's doing. More importantly, how are they doing from an illness perspective? Anyone have a heart attack? Anyone have a stroke? Anyone have cancer? All of these things there because they're trying to put you in a box to figure out, okay, where do I risk stratify this patient? And when, when, you, when you have a doctor who says, come see me in three months, come see me in six months, come see me in a year, it's because during their evaluation, during their examination, they're determining, all right, is this a person extremely, extremely healthy? Or is this a person I may need to see twice a year? Or is this a person I need to see four times a year? Or this is a person I need to see in two weeks? Like all of these things happen during the breakdown. And so when I talk about this aspect of just kind of talking, this is where the bread and butter is, which is unfortunately on the flip side, why you tend to see a lot of my ambulatory doctors are typically the lower paid of the physicians. Because unfortunately, the insurance companies, they don't really pay us that much well for talking, right? They actually pay me much more for doing a procedure on you versus actually having a conversation, which can give you a lifestyle change, which could prevent a procedure happening to you downwind. It just, unfortunately, that's just the way our systems work. So we have to work around it. So again, we're talking about history. Again, we're getting into all your business. We're getting into the social history. I'm talking about the family history. I'm talking about any activities you may or may not be doing, which could be conducive to your health. And then after that, we're forwarding to our physical exam. Your physical exam during your annual visit should be the most extensive exam, right? It's usually the one where we're looking at your top down the bottom, right? We're making sure your vision is right. Again, I wear glasses, right? We're making sure that you, you, you talk well. We'll make sure your heart's taking. We'll make sure the lungs are sounding great. We're making sure your digestive system works good, feels good. Um, and for my men, typically, especially depending on your age, this is when we start thinking about prostate exams, right? right? So again, I, and I have to do that. And you'd be surprised, especially for my men, when you get that age, Right. I don't want I don't want we're not here to scare you. Right. We just understand that 
Like when you step into that doctor's office, you got to leave that pride to the side. Right. So again, we may in, in, embark in a, in a rectal exam just to do a prostate exam check. Right. Like there's certain things that we typically will do during that annual visit that does not typically happen at any other annual visits. For my women, um, typically you have, especially obviously, if your if your primary care also happens to be your OB guy or family medicine doctor, you maybe start talking about doing pap smears and all of those things there. Uh, because, because again, that's this is where the bread and butter, right? This is where if we do our job right here, we don't have to worry about oops or surprises in six months, in a year, in three. We don't want, we never want a surprise in medicine. We want to be aware, concerned, and understand what we need to do every step of the way. No surprises. If you don't get anything, it's no surprises in medicine is a good thing, right? We always want to be prepared of what's going on. And then, again, as we move forward, again, just more of a full physical exam. And really, the, the name of the game is which type of testing. As a patient, you should be thinking, what type of testing is my doctor going to do for me? Or what type of labs are, are they going to order? Now, this is, again, usually patient-specific, but I can tell you overall, overall, a lot of the testing that includes is your CBC, your complete blood count. That's where we're checking whether you're anemic. That's where we're checking to see your uh, blood pathology, especially from your bone marrow system. Works well, making sure you're not having no signs of infection. We can even... Uh, see early signs of cancer just in a CBC. Fast forward, we're also looking at a BMP, your basic metabolic panel. That takes a look at your electrolytes. That takes a look at your kidney function, right? We already know how important the kidneys are. So we're starting to look and again, electrolytes, including sodium, potassium, chloride, right? Those are things, even your glucose, which is your blood sugar. Those are things that we start kind of getting uh, gear on quick, fast, in a hurry. Typically, I like to check a thyroid on my patients because I know that when your thyroid hormones are out of whack, they can make other lab values out of whack as well, like in particular, your cholesterol. I remember I had a patient whose cholesterol was extremely high, extremely high. It didn't make no sense because, you know, patient didn't have no significant family history. Patient was eating well. It didn't make any sense. And something just told me, you know what, let me check a thyroid as well. Lo and behold, the thyroid for the patient was out of this world as well. So it's completely abnormal. And it wasn't until I corrected the thyroid and made sure the thyroid hormones were back to within normal limits that the cholesterol actually did well. And we know, especially from a medicine standpoint, a thyroid hormone is like a part of so many different systems in our body that we know that if we can just take care of the first system, a.k.a take care of the thyroid, everything else kind of comes into play. We kind of mentioned earlier in the show, the cholesterol panel. Like again, if you if you're have any family history, we're likely checking your cholesterol because it's one, again, just like high blood pressure, it's one of those silent issues that can grow and grow and grow and cause a problem. And even if it doesn't directly cause the issue, it can lead to risk factors such as strokes and heart attacks, and peripheral vascular disease kind of all, you know, all kind of jumbled up together. Um, if any history of diabetes in the family, we are checking a test, what we call it, hemoglobin A1C. Reason why I love the hemoglobin A1C, because even though in a basic metabolic panel, we get a snapshot of what the sugars are, your hemoglobin A1C gives us a snapshot over a three-month period. So you can't fake that. Like you cannot eat 
and have a good glucose sometimes for your spot lap. But if I check the hemoglobin A1C and the hemoglobin A1C is normal, like that tells me, yeah, something is going on here, especially with the blood sugar that tells me that your blood sugar is either more controlled or less controlled than what that spot test does. And speaking of spot tests following up, a urinalysis, which I think if I had to choose what is the cheapest test, but they can tell us so much, it has to be the urinalysis. Because not only can the urinalysis tell us how well the kidneys are functioning, but they can tell us if, you know, early signs of diabetes, they can tell us early signs of cancer, they can blood, like all of these, if you're dehydrated, like there's so many different things that we can get just from taking a quick urinalysis uh, because it gives it tells us such an important function of how well the kidneys are working, which kind of continues to back up to uh, every other system, a part of the body, right? So I think if I had to think about the, the, the foundational lab test that typically everyone will likely get, it's going to be the CBC, it's going to be the BMP, it's going to be a thyroid hormone, it's going to be your hemoglobin A1C, and then even in kind of piggybacking on the the BMP, sometimes we get a complete metabolic profile because that will actually give us a kind of a subset of how the liver specifically and those liver functioning enzymes specifically are working. So some people, if you got a family history, will get a CMP, but for the majority of people, especially the ones I've taken care of, a BMP is just fine. And then the urinalysis, right? So those are just kind of your, your standard labs. Now, again, depending on history, you may get other abnormal other um uh, extraordinary labs that isn't typical but for the most part those are the ones we need to focus on so let's talk about imaging right because the imaging is so important one because especially your you your routine annual exam is one of those ones where it's kind of like a check mark like okay and we base it off a couple of different things age and gender play a significant factor on which type of imaging tests we may order or which type of imaging tests we may do. And even race as well too. Let me add race on there too, especially when I talk about the colonoscopy. So certain imaging tests that typically or may get ordered on a yearly basis, depending on your history, your uh, chest x-ray, right? We may want to just see, all right, what's going on with the chest? Let's make sure the chest is looking good. Make sure there's no issues associated with your lungs. Um, some people with a history of cigarette smoking, now again, if you're part of the lunch learning community, you already know that I tell you that there's literally no good reason you should be smoking cigarettes. But if you do, right, we do have certain tests that we will actually order for cigarette smokers, depending on uh, their history, depending on their age, that says, you know what, like the cat, a chest x-ray is fine, but they may need a cat scan of the chest, right? Like, because I want to be sure that I don't miss something, especially if this person is a much more higher risk than everyone else, right? So a CAT scan is a possibility, especially if you have a history of smoking um, uh, in your family or you personally do uh, a lot of smoking. The big one that I've mentioned in the past, especially when we talked about um, uh, the late great uh, Chad Bozeman, uh, Chad Bozeman uh, is a colonoscopy. Now, again, this, again, I, not only does it split by age, now this also splits by race as well too. And I've, I've been a champion on, because of the significant um, prevalence of colon cancer, especially in the African-American community, that we can't go by the generic standard uh, guideline that says like, oh, I should wait till the age of 50. Like, in fact, I think they've actually moved that guideline to 45. 
for just generic like hey any general person in general population started at 45. if you're african-american even with no family history by the age of 40 you should be asking your doctor like hey can i get that colonoscopy is this something that i need to uh, worry about because of the concern that like i may need to be quicker on the gun because we know as an african-american not only can you be diagnosed later uh, because you're waiting until age 45, but you're diagnosed at a much significant um, stage. And because you're diagnosed at a much significant stage, all of a sudden your treatment options are lower. So there's a lot of different reasons why we definitely recommend early testing, especially for the African-American community because of the prevalence associated with certain cancers, prostate cancer, colon cancer within the African-American community. Um, and then uh, kind of kind of highlighted prostate cancer uh, during a lab test, you could do a PSA as well, too, which is another test that we can do to kind of give us a snapshot on how well the prostate is doing and any can raise any concerns as far as prostate related um, issues from a cancer uh, standpoint. And then for women, um, the mammogram is so important. Uh, it's again, breast cancer is so such a significant uh, part of our life. Like I just had a high school class, I found a high school classmate of mine who, again, my age, right, was diagnosed with stage four of uh, breast cancer that ended up passing away, right? Like, again, who was my, again, and I'm not even 40 yet. And she already had late stage breast cancer, right? So just, again, now, again, we, I don't know the family history, I don't know anything associated with it, but it definitely just kind of raises your eyebrows and just kind of raises to attention the importance of making sure we're following up and we're getting these routine tests because it's one thing to get a routine test and catch something early because the earlier we catch something and again at the end of the day that's what these annual visits are for is there something that i can catch right now can i catch the fact that my patient has sleep apnea can i catch the fact that my patient is depressed can i catch the fact that my patient has an addiction issue whether it be to cigarette smoking, to alcohol, or any illicit drug use? Can I catch the fact that one of my patients losing too much weight, gaining too much weight? Can I catch the fact that my patient may have kidney-related disease, um, heart-related disease, cholesterol-related disease, thyroid-related, like all of these things I'm trying to catch. And I know that if the in that routine doctor's visit, you know, the golden visit, I may only have one opportunity because lo and behold, who knows what happens in the next year? You change insurance. I, the physician, move and my, I move my practice and I no longer take your insurance. Like you lose your insurance. So many things can happen in a year that I, I have to make it my money shot when I do see you. So that's why I think you'll see a lot of the onus uh, becomes stressed on making sure you're following up. Again, when the CDC said, hey, because of COVID, less people are getting preventative diseases, the reason why they're sounding an alarm is because they know that if less people are getting preventative diseases, guess what's going to happen? More people are going to get the diseases we're trying to prevent, meaning more people are going to die from diseases we were trying to prevent, and, it, and only because a pandemic was here. So everything is a preventative measure. We, we, we have always, always, always stressed this aspect of trying to prevent the disease. Now, again, we are very good at treating said disease when you get the disease. We're very good at that. But the goal, especially as a good doctor, right, is again, you know, you know, the model empower yourself for better health, right? We are trying to empower our patients to make sure that they don't have to worry about the treatment issues associated with the disease 
because we're trying to prevent them from getting said disease. Like, I think that is the biggest aspect of it all. Prevention, prevention, prevention. And, and it is why you see more insurance companies say, hey, you know what? I'll pay you a little more to do to spend more time because, again, again, they're not doing it because they're altruistic. They're doing it because they know that if I can have Dr. Barry get 10 percent of his patients to not progress to the point where they need dialysis, 10 percent of his patients to not get to the point where they need a heart catheterization uh, and a stent because, you know, they're having a heart attack. If I get 10% of his patients uh, to keep their weight under control, right? If I can get 10% of the patients to keep their blood pressure under control and I don't have to worry about amputation, to keep their blood sugars under control and I don't have to worry about them going blind, right? If I can keep 10% of those patients, I'm going to save billions at the end of the year. So I wish I could say that their companies are doing it for the greatest of their heart, but they're doing it for the bottom line. But at the end of the day, if you're doing it for my, if, if my patient ends up getting the benefit, then your reasoning, whatever, right? Nothing that I could do about that, right? And of course, it's been so, it's been such a different uh, perspective, especially once I left the primary care setting and I do pretty, pretty much in, inpatient acute care and long-term care and rehab care. Uh, but like, I never forget it, right? Like, so I'm always asking, even when I'm taking care of my patients in the acute care setting, in the long-term care setting, in the rehab setting, hey, make sure you're following up with your primary care doctor, making sure you, you get, make sure he runs that test, like, because it just never leaves you, right? Because I know that if we could do a good enough job outside of the building, if we could do a good enough job keeping people from seeing me in the acute care hospital, like, lives will be saved. Like, it, it just, it, it just what it is. And again, my goal I want, I'm trying to bankrupt the hospitals, right? I don't want more sick, sick people to come in a hospital that need someone like me to treat them. I want them to be so healthy, so well taken care of that they don't never end up in the hospital. But that doesn't start until they're actually making sure they're following up with their doctor, making sure they're getting their routine visits, right? It doesn't start until that occurs. So again, I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. Again, thank you for joining another episode of Medicine Mondays. Shout out to my podcast listeners on the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry podcast. Uh, you guys be blessed, and I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board-certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. And more importantly, share this to at least two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today. Again, so appreciative of all you guys' support. See you guys next week.